This is the People's Podcast with Anthony Zambito and Sean Sobon. A fresh perspective on Canadian politics. Welcome to the People's Podcast and welcome to the Purple Wave. Shelburne Sean here with Dufferin Kaladin, PPC candidate Anthony Zambito. And he brought a guest with us today, and that is Maggie Sagonis. And she is the PPC candidate for the Cambridge area. Maggie is not a politician, but she is a freedom-fighting Canadian patriot who believes that Canada is the greatest country in the world, and she wants to fight for it. Maggie has been very stern on her stance on lockdowns, which she does not support. She knows that medical segregation will not be tolerated under PPC government. Canada is home of the true North strong and free, and Maggie will ensure that Canadians will be proud to fly our flag again. Maggie and Anthony, how are you this evening? Um, I'm doing well, Sean. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Uh, That was quite the introduction. Um, I'm doing well, and uh, I'm excited to be here with Maggie. Absolutely. And Maggie, Maggie, how are you? You're out in the road right now, aren't you? Yeah, sorry. I'm cutting everybody off here. I am doing fabulous. Thank you so much for having me on this amazing podcast. I think we're going to have lots of fun today. Um, Yes, I am currently on the road uh, putting up signs. Awesome. Getting the lawn signs out there, letting the people show their support for you and for the PPC and for freedom in general, which is why we're all here. And for those of you um, who didn't listen to our first episode, that's why I didn't do a big introduction for Anthony because he was there on the first episode. So you just have to go back to that one show and hear what Anthony's all about. But he's here anyway. So we have uh, a lot to talk about today. And I guess most recently, since our last episode, Anthony, uh, Bolton had a had a, a pretty uh, notorious campaigner who kind of got uh, kicked out of town. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah, that that was an event in itself. That was crazy, and lots of ramifications from it. So, um, so I got onto the scene pretty early. Um, it was about I want to say just after three thirty when I got there, and you saw clearly that. Uh, a stage was being set up. It was being set up by professionals. Uh, tons of Lisa Post signs, tons of other liberal candidates in the area. Their signs were getting set up. Uh, you know, minuscule commotion. The media was there, CP24, as well as a few other, uh, a few other stations setting themselves up. Um, then, you know, closer to four o'clock, um, I want to say, uh, two buses came. And these were a busload uh, busloads of um, liberal supporters. They were teenagers. Um, I believe they were bused in from the Brampton area. And as they were coming off the bus, I heard one girl say to her friend, um, so basically all we have to do is cheer for this guy and we get volunteer hours. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was big. Yeah. So basically, yeah, it leads me to believe that the Liberal Party bust in supporters and then bribe them with volunteer hours to support for Justin as he was coming off the bus because they weren't there to set up the stage. The stage, the stage was already set up. 
Um, so yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, then, you know, as it came closer to when Trudeau was supposed to speak, I believe it was at five o'clock, um, a bunch of freedom rallyers started showing up, right? Like on mm-hmm. mass because Justin Trudeau was, uh, you know, before that he was in Nobleton. So they started making their way over to the Hampton Inn in Bolton, uh, where Trudeau was going to speak. And, um, you know, the majority of these people were people that are members of the freedom movement. Um, you know, I would say a hundred or so people came, um, you know, these are people who are very critical and vocally critical of Trudeau, but they're for the most part, average people, like they're your nine to five workers. They drive their kids to soccer practice when they're done, you know, like they're not bad people. They're just very vocal about their criticism for Justin Trudeau. Right. Um, and then as, um, you know, they, they showed up and then team Trudeau's bus came and then the heckling really started to begin um that's where you know people were yelling obscenities and you know giving the finger to to justin um it was around this time too that about a hundred bystanders came like these are boltonites these are your average people they came and they were watching the events uh you know transpire um you know and basically yeah trudeau was getting heckled he stayed on the bus um the liberal supporters they were there holding up their signs trying to get a good shot for the camera um the police were also on scene. I want to make this clear. The police were on scene. I want to say RCMP was there, was there and I imagine Calden OPP was there. Um, they didn't make any arrests. They didn't lay down any charges. You know, they were making sure people were being ruly and they were making sure people, you know, weren't crossing certain boundaries, you know, to compromise the security for the prime minister. Um, so that's important to point out, right? And then, you know, I had to leave because I had my own event in Orangeville that night. But essentially, as I was, um, as I was making my way to Orange, I got news that Justin Trudeau had canceled the event, citing security concern. So that was the event from my perspective. And it was crazy because it completely put Bolton on the map. I've never seen people talking like Bolton like this before. I think it's, it's awesome. And, um, you know, you had the conservative parties immediately speak out against it, uh, you know, as well as the liberal party, you know, trying to call like all you know, uh, Bolton people like uh, there's been a lot of people talking negatively about Bolton. And I'm not too happy about that. But um, anyways, that was the event. And, you know, not for anything. It made me proud to be a Boltonite that night. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I had to raise an eyebrow when I was, was listening to the press conference when the prime minister had said that they were, they canceled his rally due to safety concerns. I thought that was uh, very uh, far-fetched because he was being heckled from what I heard. Um, You know, you could hear the the coverage and the, and the heckling at him. Sure. They were cussing at him and uh, they were swearing at him and flipping him the bird as they have a right to do as free Canadians. But I didn't hear any death threats. I didn't hear anything like that. And like you said, there were no arrests. So I think Trudeau was just trying to paint, paint uh, the people of Bolton and the protesters uh, in a negative light. And, you know, instead of him realizing that his policies and the way he's governing us um, is actually hurting and upsetting Canadians, he just wants to uh, divide us even further, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's a clear uh, divide and conquer tactic. Um, you know, if the liberals think they can offend or insult their way into getting elected, I got bad news for you, buddy. Um, and yeah, I just, um, yeah, it was really telling to see the, the community kind of come together and just say those things to, to Trudeau. I mean, uh, number one, you, you see more unruly crowds, you know, at sporting events. 
And number two, the only criminal that was there was on the bus that night, Justin. <laughs> There you go, buddy. You know, it's it's funny. I think, you know, speaking out of general terms, Canadians are pretty are pretty chill. We don't get too wild up, right? So to see the average bull tonight, like you said, just kind of making the effort to get out there um, and and voice their displeasure to the prime minister, I think that speaks volumes as to how um, angry we are with with the past six years and with him being the leader. I think. Um, you know, his, his flair that attracted everybody to him at the beginning has, has worn off a long time ago. And um, what he's doing now is hopefully going to come to an end on September 20th at the polls. And that's where we can actually make a difference um, and get him out of office. So, yeah, it was really interesting. And that was, you know, really close to home. And there are Dufferin, Caledon riding and Bolton is part of that. So it, it was cool to see that um, from my perspective as well. I was, I was surprised. I had no idea he was going to be there. So um, speaking, speaking of divide and conquer, Anthony and Maggie, um, you know, on our last episode, we did talk a lot about, you know, vaccine mandates and things like that. And since then, um, the premier of Ontario has come out to reverse his decision on vaccine passports. Um, you know, back in July, I believe it was, he was saying, absolutely not, no vaccine passports. It's going to divide Ontarians and he doesn't want to do that. And just like Doug Ford has done in the past, he's, he's flip-flopped and, uh, in my opinion, has no backbone. And now he's saying, okay, vaccine, well, he's not calling them passports. I think he's calling them certificates, but it's the same thing. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Maggie, why don't you chime in on this one? Well, I just want to touch on, yeah, they don't call them vaccine passports. They're referring them to, referring to them as vaccine certificates, which is it's a vaccine certificate program, which leads people to believe it's an okay thing to do, which I think is totally wrong. Um, hashtag flip-flop floor. Flip-flop Ford is, uh, is what I've dubbed him. I think it's been, you know what? We all, we all thought that uh, voting for uh, a conservative premier would be great. And, you know, he, he follows our values and we all think the same. And yes, we rally behind him and I guess we got, you know, we, we got shafted in that one. However, um, now he's starting to tell us, oh, don't worry about it. it we're not going to mandate this. We're not going to get vaccine passports. And we're not going to, we're not going to, this is not going to do that. And then he obviously comes out and says, yeah, we're doing this. Uh, everyone has to get vaccinated or you can't go to a restaurant. You can't do anything, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I think the, the majority of people um, that aren't getting vaccinated are not are aren't going to these places anyways you know what i mean it's it's already difficult it's already it's a problem to go anywhere now you're 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 going anywhere you're looked at as you're looked at as an anti-vaxxer anti-masker or whatever you know what i mean i personally suffer from intense migraines that if i wear a mask for too long i have if i wear a mask i have to change it probably every 20 minutes because it mm -hmm. gets hot it gets sweaty so i'm automatically an anti-masker anti-vaxxer when I'm not, I've, I've ha I have all my immunizations. I have everything. Um, I just don't think that people should jump the gun to get this vaccine to go to a movie. Um, and I don't think it's right for the government to tell people to jump on a vaccine to go see a movie. Um, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's unconstitutional. It is wrong. It's wrong to do that. It's having citizens turn on each other for no reason. It's giving citizens the right to 
go off and be violent and be rude and just be extremely un-Canadian. And like you said before, we're known as a very n- a nice country, a timid country. And, and now all of a sudden people are looking at us like, whoa, what's going on over there? You guys are lost your minds. Yeah, you know? there's, there's, there's very, um, there's certainly a lot of unrest um, in between circles and, and friends. And there's a lot of tension, I guess, because of this subject. And, you know, I think you, you touched on a very good point where you said, you know, just because you might not get the vaccine or might not be comfortable wearing a mask, you're labeled anti-vaxxer, anti-mask, conspiracy theorist, what have you. It's, it's, it's almost a form of intimidation, right? To try to, to, try to pe- keep people quiet from speaking up if they see that, you know, something's going wrong, it's always easier to go with the crowd. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that we have people like you who have, who have stood up and, you know, taken a leadership role here and running for a party that, that opposes that type of society and that supports, you know, autonomy when it comes to our own healthcare decisions, as opposed to being, you know, dictated by the government, um, what we're supposed to do. And one thing I wanted to ask both of you is, you know, the public health officials, the medical officers health of health for different regions uh, in Ontario are really have really been pressuring the Ontario government anyways, um, for these vaccine certificates or passports, whatever you want to call it. And they pretty much said, if you don't mandate this, we're just going to make it mandate, you know, we're going to mandate it in our own areas anyways. Now, these public officials are not elected officials. And it seems like they've been put on a pedestal now and everything they say is is like gospel right now what are your thoughts on that um well i think that uh like you said right there they're not elected officials um you know i didn't have a say in uh, dr lorenzo Lowe being you know the chief uh medical appointee for for peel region um and i think that's a problem because in canada in order for democracy to work you know you have to be able to hold your government accountable but it's so hard for me to do so with uh you know lorenzo Lowe. And uh, <clears throat> actually, I'll tell you this, Maggie, I envy you because when you look at who your provincial MP is, it's uh, the legendary Jim Corralios, right? When I look at who my MPP is, it's Sylvia Jones, and she's following right along with Doug Ford and uh, these unconstitutional mandates. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's just I would go as far as to say is these are crimes against humanities because um, they're literally dictating what people need to do with their own bodies in order to, uh, you know, to, to enjoy their freedoms. That's uh that's a huge issue. Um, and yeah, these medical officers, the thing that pisses, you know, like gets me, that grinds my gears the most. We'll say that. <laughs> the thing that really gets me going is that uh, I said it last week, they're not even, you know, for every doctor, uh, chief medical officer who is proclaiming these lockdowns and proclaiming these vaccines and these vaccines passports, there is a equally qualified medical professional or virologist on the other side that is just as critical, but they are being silenced. And uh, that, that really gets me going because they always say to trust the experts and trust the science. But, you know, in our society, the narrative is, is so controlled as it is um, that uh, opposition rhetoric, like what I'm saying right now, is essentially ostracized to the bullet, to, you know, to, to the point where it's not even discussed in the mainstream and it's not discussed in a professional or government setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like they don't even want to entertain the conversation and, and what surprises me is when you look at the data, okay, and you look at the data in Ontario, and the trends are the same throughout Canada and throughout all of the other countries in the world that have, you know, been plagued by this virus, is that the people who are most vulnerable to this virus are the elderly, 
right? And the ones with the comorbidities, those are the people that are being hospitalized. Those are people that are dying, that are going to the ICU and, and things like that. When you get down into the population, you know, anybody under 70 years old, you know, between 50 and 60, um, yeah, you're probably going to get sick. You may require going to the hospital, but your chances of dying are very slim. And then when you get into, you know, the workforce, people who are under the age of retirement, uh, the younger you get, the less of an issue this virus is. And, you know, it was appalling to me to hear Trudeau on TV the other day saying that, you know, you're not going to get on a plane, you're not going to get a tra- on a train unless you're vaccinated. Um, we're not going to have unvaccinated people sitting in a hallway across from us and being a threat to our children. I'm like, what are you talking about? This, this virus, if you look at the numbers and you look at it, and we're well into this pandemic now where you can say with, with a high level of confidence that this virus is not a threat to our children. And I think we would all agree, especially for those that are listening to us, um, that you know these lockdowns are causing more harm than good in terms like nobody wants to talk about the mental health issues. Nobody wants to talk about the increased substance abuse, the overdose, the suicides, um, people during the lockdown who are trapped with abusers, um, children who are trapped with sexual abusers or physical abusers. Um, even with my own children, um, being away from friends at school every day has, has played an impact in their lives as well. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? And Maggie, why don't you go now and then Anthony, you can go after. I absolutely love that you brought that up because I am a huge advocate for mental health. And I think that these lockdowns, these mandates, all this have just the real pandemic is the mental health and it's everything that these children are dealing with, the adults are dealing with. And I like that you mentioned um, what Trudeau said the other day about um, if you, you're not getting vaccinated, um, you're wrong or, or this and that. And that's why I stand so firmly behind the PPC because we would never tell anybody they're wrong. You know what I mean? We would never, we back all of all Canadians. If you don't want to get the vaccine, don't get it. If you want to wear a mask, wear it. And that's something I think people don't understand is we're not anti-vax. We're not anti-mask. We're pro freedom. Amen. I love it. And you know you, what? Let people make their, make their own decisions, have the freedom exactly, to do that. Exactly. We're all adults. Um, I don't think I'm not a mother, not yet, but um, you as a parent, Sean, only you and the mother of your children have the right to decide what to do with your kids. And I don't think the government should dip their toes into that water, into that pool. This is all you, you guys choose how to raise your children. And if your child wants to hang out with their friends, they should hang out with their friends. And I have seen so many of my friends and, and, and close, um, close family members that have young children that are dealing with a lot of issues because they're so antisocial right now they're they're not allowed to see anybody and if they do stay distant don't touch them it's 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 really messing with our kids and it's messing with the future generations and i think that's wrong and that's the true pandemic not covid the true pandemic is mental health and you know the safety of our of our children yeah very true i mean before before this pandemic started you know we had we had our opiate crisis um, in the streets and people over you don't hear about that in the news anymore. It's still happening and it's even worse now. Um, I can tell you that from experience being a frontline emergency worker. Um, but 
it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, once again, um, thankful to have people like you who are, who are being the voice for the people, you know, it's the people's party of Canada. We call this the people's podcast because, you know, we said it in your intro, Maggie, and the same goes for you, Anthony, is you guys aren't career politicians. In fact, you're both quite young to be even in the political ring, but you're, you're regular people who feel strongly enough about these, these pressing matters that you want to put your hat in the ring and you want to face the adversity that you're going to get. And, you know, thank you for that. And I guess, you know, being, being on the younger, uh, you know, you're not babies by, by all means, but you know what I mean? You're not the typical politician with gray hair and all that other stuff, but you know, maybe you can tell us in your own words, what brought you in to this role that you're in now? Um, for me, I just, um, everybody draws their line in the sand at a different spot. Um, for me, it was, uh, you know, it was the lockdown before Christmas because it was just at that point there where, you know, um, the the summer was ending and the summer was, you know, relatively open, but, uh, you know, we were going back hard into it and I was just like, this is never going to stop so long as we comply. It was just supposed to be two weeks and, um, you know, October, 2020, I got in at that point there. Uh, first my mentality was, you know, the kids because they had been canceling hockey and, and recreational programs. Uh, so my mentality was let the kids play. That was the first sign that I brought out. Um, and yeah, it just kind of, uh, grew from there. Cool. Cool. And what about you, Maggie? Um, I'm kind of with Anthony on this one, but for me, it was the first lockdown. Now I am, um, I'm an esthetician. I run a salon, um, and we were hit so hard. Um, and my entire family, I've been in the restaurant I've been in the restaurant industry my whole life. And so my entire family is still into it. And so we've been hit really, really hard and, and no one seemed to care about restaurant workers or personal care service workers or retail workers or anything like that. They just said, they deemed us non-essential. Oh, you're not essential. And I thought, wait a minute, I have to put food on my table. I have to do I have to pay bills just like everybody else. How come I'm not essential? And so I said, I can't do this anymore. Um, I, I've, I've been to the protests. I've been to the anti-lockdown um, and the lockdown protests. I've done it all. And now I said, you know what? Let me let me fight the good fight from the other side and and let me show people that there's there's more choices out there than the the liberals, the conservatives, the NDP. You know what I mean? The green. There's there's people that are ready to fight for them no matter what. Um, willing to you know, get, get criticized no matter what, and we can take it. We're, you know, we're fighters and, and that's what we do. We're fighting for the people. We're, we're the voice of the voiceless is what I like to call ourselves. We are, we're here. We're the, we're the people, we're the people fighting for the people. You know what I mean? I love it. I absolutely know what you mean. And, and there you have it. Real people who had suffered real consequences as a result of poor government policy and it's, it's easy enough to look at one of the things that didn't get attention in the mainstream media as well was there were countries out there that didn't do lockdowns. They just practiced good hand hygiene, maybe did a little bit of social distancing, and they fared no worse than the countries that went into full lockdowns. And I would argue that they actually fared better because they didn't have the economical impact that, that places like uh, Canada had. And especially in Ontario, we probably had some of the strictest lockdowns um in the country and and yeah nobody seemed to care about the about the small businesses or, or you know the quote-unquote non-essential businesses which is which is a joke because all businesses are essential people need to make money 
And again, we talk about mental health, going out for a meal with your family or going on a date, you know, to a movie or to a restaurant is good for your mental health. There's that social aspect. We are social beings and we need that. And they kind of completely took that away from us. And, um, you know, and I know now, as a matter of fact, there's a shortage in the workforce because people are getting their, their COVID emergency money or whatever you want to call it, CERB. And, um, you know, they're not going back to work. We went to a restaurant recently to support our favorite restaurant and we had to sit on the patio because they didn't have enough staff to, to work the dining room. And, um, you know, I kind of get it for the people that are choosing not to come back to work because they're probably saying, you know what, there's just going to be another lockdown. Then I have to reapply for unemployment or whatever it is and, and then go for a period of time without getting any income. So I'm just going to stay on this and keep the income coming and stay at home and not go to work, right? Yeah, yeah. that's... Oh, sorry, Anthony, go ahead. No, what, ladies first, after you. Oh, well, what a gentleman. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just want to just quickly touch on that. Um, I've seen and I felt the staff shortages. Um, nobody wants to work. Everyone, I've been personally told, well, why am I going to go get a job when I can just stay home and collect CERB? And I'm just like, wait a minute, don't you want to, don't you want this to end? Like you've got to go out, you got to work for yourself. You got to, you know, make a living. Oh, I'm getting my money. I'm good. And at the same time, what kind of life are we what kind of example and life are we setting up for ourselves when $400 a week is good to live. I can't yeah. live on $400 a week. No, it's a, it's a scary prospect. And, you know, people like to talk, joke about conspiracy theorists and stuff like that. But, but I could only see, honestly see this as conditioning us for the idea of a universal basic income, which, Absolutely. which, which had been tested in the past in the 70s. And it was deemed to be not a good idea. People didn't work. The, you know, adults lived at home with their parents longer. Um, it was, it's just not good. We have to have purpose. We have to be productive. And, you know, if the government's paying you, then they own you. And we all have the right and equal opportunity to go out there and make money for ourselves and make a living and support our families. Um, you know, relying on the government for that is, is not an option as far as I'm concerned. And yes, we, we do have, I believe, a responsibility as a society to help those that need it, to help those that can't help themselves for whatever reason. But we also have to give people the tools they need to succeed. And, um, you know, kind of off the side of that universal basic income topic, but, um, you know, that's kind of almost like what they're laying down the foundation for, right? It's like, okay, you need the government, we need bigger government, and they're trying to condition us to, to think or to believe that we do need them to survive and to stay safe when, when we really don't. Yeah, um, I, I feel as if like, um, I feel as if not only that, but they're also conditioning us to think that, uh, you know, standing up for our rights is a selfish act, or even, you know, exercising is a selfish act. No, I think the goal with all with CERB, as well as, uh, you know, the, the, the wage subsidy for employers, it's all designed to make businesses and people dependent on the government. Um, because yeah, like, you know, perhaps they are trying to condition uh, the population for a universal basic income uh it's um you know it's a scary mentality to think because um yeah like one of the most satisfying things you can do in life is uh is work for your own income um it, you know the more you rely on the government for your daily life the the less you lose your own uh, sovereignty as a person 
um, because, you know, you're not empowering yourself to the fullest of your ability. I mean, CERB is enough money to get you by in this society. But if you really want to excel, you really want to get ahead, you want to plan for the future. Uh, CERB is not a long-term investment, neither for yourself or for the government. Um, you know, for yourself, it's just, you know, it's going to be barely enough to get you by. But as society, you know, the, sorry, as our dollar inflates, you know, you're just going to lose out on your purchasing power. And for our government, exactly what I said, uh, you know, this is just increasing our government expenditure and it's not free money. Someone's paying for it. Um, you know, the reality is all of our children are going to have to pay off this gross uh, debt that Justin Trudeau's collected ever since uh, COVID has started. So, yeah, the, the people who have the impression that service free money, I, I got news for you. Yeah, no, absolutely right, Anthony. Such a valid point because Trudeau is spending, he was, he was building a deficit bigger than he promised on his, on his first election platform. And uh, the last time I had spoken to somebody about this, we figured it was $57,000 is what every Canadian is on the hook for to repay back the debt that Trudeau has built up. Um, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, one thing that boggles my mind is that the Keystone pipeline, um, Trudeau bailed out an American company that owned that. He, he paid, he used our money because, like you said, this isn't free. These are tax dollars. These are our dollars, right? When you get your paycheck and you see you grossed $1,200, but you only brought home $800, Trudeau is using that money. And he paid $4.5 billion to buy a pipeline that he can't even complete to use our own natural resources mm -hmm. to help our country. And, uh, you know, the people in Alberta are, are really hurting because of that. But yeah, $57,000 for each Canadian. And, and I know that, um, you know, Maxime Bernier's plan is to um, balance our budget within four years and then cut taxes. And when you cut taxes, it's good for, for Canadians because we get to keep more of our money. And like you touched on, Anthony, more purchasing power, more money for your family, more money for yourself. And, um, you know, you get to keep more of what you, what you earn. So those are all good things. I don't know why anybody would be against something like that. Now, a lot of people have this mentality. They like the idea of big daddy always telling or big daddy government always telling them what to do. Right. Um, you know, in the COVID perspective, they're like, um, you know, they, they want to be able to feel like they're helping people by wearing a mask when you and I know uh, masks don't stop coronavirus. Uh, they want to be able to think that, oh, I'm paying my taxes and I'm getting, you know, universal healthcare, the best healthcare in the world. The reality is it is uh, inundated with inefficiencies. And um, yeah, a lot of our, our government expenditure needs uh, to be reviewed. Yeah, very, very well said. Um, Maggie, let's turn the tables over to you. Curious, uh, you're in the Cambridge riding. Uh, you rode on the streets. And, you know, you're working hard. You're actually out right now putting signs up and everything. So that's great. And you're doing the podcast, so you're a multitasker, which is awesome. But <laughs> what, what's the word out in Cambridge? What are the issues that people are coming to you with when you're getting to talk to, to the voters out there? You know what, Sean? One of our biggest issues here are drug injection sites. And um, the people of Cambridge don't want it. The people of Cambridge don't want it. The businesses here in Cambridge don't want it. Um, the government refuses to listen to them and says, you know what, we're going to do it anyways. And um, like I said, uh, the People's Party of Canada, we, we believe in living a healthy life. Um, we believe in doing what you think is best for your own health. And we are not drug advocates. We do not advocate for drug use at all. And it's been way too long that this has been going on and they're, they're trying to introduce these 
legal drug injection sites into our city. And, um, and I'm here to stop that. I don't think that's right. I don't think um, encouraging drug use is something we should be doing. I think we should focus more on getting people healthier and um, educating people on what they're doing. Um, so that, that's definitely one of our main concerns for sure. Um, I, I don't believe that. I don't think that's right at all. Um, yeah. Give people, I was gonna sorry, say, go ahead. If you look at, at it, Maggie, like one of the, the four pillars of our, of our whole party is personal responsibility. And you exactly. To, you know, um, you know, enjoy moderation and, you know, the government's having these safe injection sites, not that I'm advocating for the moderation, moderate use of uh, illicit drugs. Thanks for but, clarifying uh, that. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're saying before, serve is an incentive for people to stay at home. Well, you know, what's uh, drug injection in, injection sites are a incentive for the, you know, the homeless to, or, you know, the addicted to continue using what they're using, I mean, maybe even to flock to Cambridge. It's not a good right. one. Right. And I, and I'm, you know, we're saying we want people to be safe, but we also want people to, we don't want our kids to deal with this. You know, we want our kids to grow up in a nice, healthy environment, safe environment. You don't want to walk around and, and see more addiction everywhere. And the, the one thing that really got me with these lockdowns was, okay, we're going to close down gyms. Um, we're not going to open gyms. So the COVID doesn't spread, but let's keep LCBOs open. Now, how is that a good idea for anybody, for anybody stuck at home? Um, the same kind of idea with these, with these sites. I think, I think it's immoral. And why are you saying, Hey, you know what, let's be safe and let's, uh, let's give these people some, a place where they can use clean needles. How about mm -hmm. getting people to stop using needles altogether? You know I think, what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good great. point. Go ahead, Anthony. Sorry. Say that's where our policy policy should be headed. You know, we touched upon mental health already. Yeah, how funny is it that you know pot shops, LCBOs, uh, as well as cigarettes are readily available for people because that was essential, but not gyms, which is proven to help your physical and mental health. Not churches. You know, in a time where everyone's isolated, they want that community. Uh, alcohol anonymous meetings that were taking place at local churches in Orangeville were taking place over Zoom. I'm sorry, but you know what? That community is a huge uh, is a huge part of it. And yeah, the, you know, the increase, it's funny because the government wanted us to take out all of our, all of society's mental health problems by pushing them in these directions toward, for instance, the marijuana and the alcohol and the, the cigarettes. And now you're talking about this, the safe injection sites. Um, it's, it's not a good look. It really isn't. That's a very good point, Anthony. I think that, you know, those dollars would be better spent on on programs that could help people with addiction um, that could keep them safe and try to get them clean. And like you said, at the end of the day, it comes down to personal responsibility. And, you know, from my own personal experience, all the resources in the world can be offered to somebody who's addicted to drugs. And unless that individual is ready within themselves to, to get clean and, and make a change, it's not going to happen. And that's an individual choice. And it's tragic and it's sad when, when you become so addicted to, to a drug that it enslaves you and you're trapped and you're not the person you once were, you know? And I always think about um, drug addicts who are really, you know, living on skid row and, and just, you know, living from moment to moment for when they can get their next hit. 
I think about them as, as young children, innocent children, right? And, and what happened to them? What was, their, what was their upbringing like to kind of lead them down that path? And it, it's, it's tragic. It, it really is sad. And I think we need to be able to at least try to help these individuals, um, you know, get the strength they need to, to want to get better. But, you know, yeah, safe injection sites, I would agree. I would think it's, it's almost a form of enablement and kind of normalizing that type of, of lifestyle or behavior. And it's, it's not good for anybody. Those, those stories rarely end on a good note. I bet you have a lot of experience, uh, you know, in that regard as a, as a frontline healthcare worker. So I can imagine. Yeah. It's, 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 it's one of those things. It's sad. There's, there's no, there's no other way to, to talk about it, but um, yeah, you know, and, and also gyms. Yeah. Closing down gyms. I mean, our health, is essential. And there's a saying now that, you know, sitting is the new smoking, right? We got to get up, we got to get active. And, you know, with all the fear about COVID and everything, first off, people are scared to go outside the ones that are that are you know, consuming this mainstream news and just like eating it right and, and drinking the Kool-Aid. They're scared to go outside. They're scared to go around people. They're, you know, they're not, they're going to be one stuck in their house, getting unhealthy, not getting the vitamin D from the sun, not getting exercise. There's only so much you can do walking around your house. You need to be able to get outside. And it's, it's funny because, you know, I like to, I'm a runner and I like to run on the trails and during the lockdowns, the trails were so busy, so busy, which was great. But at the same time, it's like, well, the government wants to keep us separate from everybody. And here we are all jam packed into the one spot because it's one of the only places we can go to get exercise for those of us that were still doing it. Or, you know, I remember going to Ikea during the first lockdown when the store was open. And instead of just kind of walking in on your own, they had us all lined up in this huge line. We're all together and then we're all going in. And then as soon as you walk into the store, there's a huge crowd of people trying to get their carts or figure out where they're going. It's like, normally under normal conditions, I just walk right in. There's maybe two or three people. I go up the escalator and I, and I go get my stuff from Ikea, but it was completely different, right? It's like, this is backwards. You're funneling us in like fish, right? You're just getting all crowded. So a lot of that stuff made me scratch my head. Yeah. It's funny what COVID has, uh, has made us dumb on uh, Honestly. I mean, uh, part of me asked, like, uh, I wonder if there, you know, all of these government health officials and politicians are sitting in a room, just thinking to themselves, all right, what, what else could we make do? You know, what, what, <laughs> Yeah, like just trying to challenge themselves like a little bit further every day. Yeah, yeah. So guys, we're kind of getting uh, short on time here. I think it, we should kind of end it up and we'll save some uh, other topics for our next show. But uh, I wanted to give you both an opportunity to just kind of share some final thoughts with our, with our audience here um, on any topic you wish. So uh, Maggie, why don't you go first? Put you on okay, the well... Oh, I love being put on the spot. That's why, that's why I'm in this, Sean. That's why I'm in this. Good stuff. Um, I, just, I just wanted to let listeners know and let everybody know um, there are choices out there. And do your own research. Educate yourself. Don't listen to, you know, the, the, the big news guys. Don't listen to CBC, CTV and telling you that, oh, yeah, so this party's doing good and that party's doing good. We have another party. We don't really know what it is. That's us. We are making major headway in 2019 um at the last election we had um we were at i think at one 1.6 um we're already over i think seven percent and we're growing very fast um we are a, the only conservative option we are all about freedom 
we are all about freedom of expression, freedom of choice, freedom of religion, freedom of medical history, and PPC is the only way to get to that next level. You want to go back to normal? PPC is it. You a vote for PPC is a vote for freedom. Thank you, Maggie. Anthony? Wish I had a big speech worked out, but I didn't. Um, I would just, uh, you know, I guess I want to comment on my campaign up to this point. Um, the purple wave is there. I've seen it every day. Uh, we're, we're getting supporters left, right, and center. Every time a vaccine mandate comes out, uh, I, I get someone reaching out to me. Uh, the amount of people who are willing to give up their time to volunteer to this campaign, the amount of people who are willing to donate to a stranger that they've never met before, uh, it's been very inspiring up to this point. I've said it before, I'll say it again. This is the most grassroots campaign in Dufferin Caledon history. And on a national level, this is the most grass cam grassroots campaign that you will ever get. Like Maggie can tell you yourself, all of her volunteers are just people who support her and support the party platform and want to have a united and free Canada once again. Um, so this is this is politics the way that it should be. And I think people really need to pay attention to this because right now, you know, in following along with what the Conservative Party and the Liberal Party have to say, like, it's just the mental gymnastics, you have to put your mind through it in order to make O'Toole's policies make sense and Trudeau's policies make sense. It's not worth it. Guys, there's an option for freedom and it's called the PPC. Uh, and, you know, every candidate will tell you that this campaign is going to continue uh, long after election day until Canada's free. So, you know, it's about time Canadians waked up and smelled the double double because, uh, you know, before you know it, a purple wave is going to be outside your, your door. And, you know, before you know it, you're going to be riding along that way too, guaranteed. I love, love that. Yeah, love it, Anthony. <laughs> Thank you so much, buddy. Maggie and Anthony, it's, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Really appreciate your insight and all the work that you guys are doing. Keep it up. The purple wave is gaining momentum. Maggie Sagunas from Cambridge and Anthony Zambito from right here in Dufferin, Caledon. Maggie, before we go, where can people reach you um, on social media? Um, if you guys need any information about anything, just go to my website, www.magtastic.com. That's M-A-G-G-T-A-S-T-I-C.com. You can find all my socials. Um, you can uh, request a lawn sign, join the team of volunteers. You can make a donation to my campaign. I would really, really appreciate it. Um, everything is at magtastic.com. Wonderful. Thank you. And Anthony, why don't you remind us of yours once again? Yeah, of course. So you can follow me on IG, FB, and Twitter at Zammer Live. Uh, you can also look up on Facebook, Vote Zambito PPC Candidate. Uh, we got the page there. Um, you know, my email address, votezambitoppc at gmail.com. You can e-transfer to that. Feel free to request me a long sign on any one of those handles. Feel free to DM me. I do my best to res uh, respond ASAP. Um, and yeah, feel free to keep following along. Uh, um, you know, feel free to follow along. See so you can, you know, see what the campaign's up to and what events are being planned. All right. Thank you guys. Once again, keep up the work you're doing. Let's get the purple wave growing. And if you're listening to this and you support our PPC and everything, please share this with your friends. And Anthony, you got one more thing to share. I do. September 8th, there's going to oh, be a yes. debate happening on Rogers TV, local channel 65, happening in Dufferin Caledon. Okay. 
Right, right here. I have it on my phone. I wanted to talk about that. So I'm glad you reminded me. There we go. Um, yeah. So everybody can tune in then. Okay. More information is going to come and uh, yeah, we should probably talk before then too, Sean. Let's see if we can get another show going. We will absolutely. And I just want people to know, actually, um, if you find the Dufferin Board of Trade, Dufferin Caledon, um, yeah, Dufferin Board of Trade on Facebook, uh, you still have an opportunity up until Monday to submit a question for the candidates at the debate. And on the website, um, there's a quick verb on the candidates so you can get to meet them and see uh, what they want or what they're all about, rather. And uh, Mr. Zambito's on there. You've got uh, the PPC, you've got the Green Party, Liberal Party. Um, Kyle Seaback is the current MP for Dufferin Calvin of the Conservative Party, and there are two other candidates from uh, an independent and NDP, which haven't um, gotten back to the Board of Trade. But anyways, yeah, so go on Facebook, Dufferin Board of Trade. And um, I guess, Maggie, since we're talking about that, do you have any debates coming up uh, in Cambridge? Nada. It's all at Magtastic. Okay. All at Magtastic.com then. I think... Uh, I think people who are listening know where you stand on the issues anyhow. And if they want to reach out and ask you questions, you're very accessible. So it's as easy as reaching out to you and asking a question. It'll get a response right from you. Yeah, well, well, we'll try our best to answer. I'm getting a lot of DMs, a lot of messages, a lot of emails. I'm not getting back to everybody. There are so many, but sure. we're, slow, we're slowly getting there, guys. I'm, you, you will get an answer, I promise. All right. You heard it right there from Maggie. Guys, this has been the People's Podcast. Welcome to the Purple Wave. Let's keep it growing. We'll talk to you again soon. If you'd like to reach out to Anthony, you can email votezambitoppc at gmail.com. You can follow along on Facebook at votepccandidate Anthony Zambito to be Dufferin Kaladin's MP. And you can also follow on Instagram at Zammer Live. You can see all those links in the show notes. Until next time.